the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Nice to be with you. Hey, why did they put the globe back there? They, they moved it again. Or they moved me. <laughs> God. Oh, my God. It's moving into a new studio is like moving into a new house. <laughs> a lot goes wrong. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, and I'm going to go straight to a guest today. I'm going to talk to you later about the Whoopi Goldberg comments. I have a take that will surprise you, but I think will make a great deal of sense when uh, when I offer it to you. And my guest is a professor emeritus of uh, at Emory University, professor of English, and he is an editor at one of my favorite publications, which I pay with my own precious money to subscribe to. And First Things is something you should be getting, by the way. He hosts a podcast twice a week. The reason he can speak his mind, one of the reasons, and I'll, I'll get his uh, reaction, obviously, uh, is that he's a professor emeritus, so that he does not have to worry about being fired. Although I wonder, can you be fired from emeritus? Mark Bauerlein is the professor. And, Professor, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Uh, Mr. Prager, I am honored to join you, sir. Thank you. That's very kind. So the book, ladies and gentlemen, is The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. It's a painful thing to even read the title and subtitle to you, my audience, what generation are you referring to? Well, these are the millennials. I wrote a 2008 book <laughs> with, with another painful title, The Dumbest Generation, How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30. And in, in that book, I wrote about these 15-year-olds who are now going into their bedrooms. They're shutting the door at 7 o'clock at night, and they've got the video game going. They have the TV still on. They got the laptop. They've got the, the handheld device. Uh, the iPhones were coming. The social media was bursting out around this time. Uh, Twitter uh, had just started. Instagram would be here. So they were texting 4,000 times a month. They were on 24-7. So that's right by there by the pillow. The phone would wake them at 1 in the morning if that photo, the, the cheerleader, came through. And they can gossip about it. And they just create this bubble world of adolescence. And, and at the same time, all the mentors, the intellectuals, the teachers, the journalists were talking about them as the wave of the future. They were running circles around the boomers like me, and they had such great social attitudes. They were progressive and they were tolerant and they helped elect the first African-American president in, in our history they were going to lead America into the 21st century. And I, I thought at the time, no, no, this is awful. It's unhealthy for a 15-year-old to walk around with 200 photos of himself 
in his pocket. It's bad to to pour out all these text messages all the time. They need to disengage. You know, nonstop peer pressure, peer contact is bad. It's making hard for grown up stuff to break into adolescents' lives. You need some adult pressure to go along with the peer pressure that these kids have. So that's why I wrote the book, the first book. And the response was, oh, listen to the Luddite, you know, grandpa telling him to get off his lawn and, and, and you know, the, the stern uh, the stern elder. And I said, darn right. I think that's, that's my job. That's what we're supposed to do when we get older. I mean, I was 17 and, you know, I thought I knew everything and I didn't want to listen to some guy named Walter Cronkite talking about you know, Watergate, uh, but I had to. I, I, there was only one screen in the home. I, I, and there was only one, one phone. It was in the kitchen, and you had to stick your finger in these, these buttons and, and rotate something seven times to make a call. And so I, I had to get a little bit of exposure. And, you know, classical music. You're, you're, you're a conductor, sir. You know, classical music was everywhere in kids' lives. In, in earlier decades. It was, it was in Bug Bunny cartoons. And I, I mean, I, rem, I even remember those Leonard Bernstein children's concerts that were a sensation in this country. Uh, for years, they went on. I mean, you know, that's all gone from, from kids' lives by, you know, by, by really by the 1990s and the digital age even encased them more in pop culture, youth culture stuff. So, uh, we're now 15 years past that that time, and how are the millennials growing up? And I'll I'll stop there before getting into that, in case you want to. You wanna yes. Jump so, in. what is their age now? What what is a millennial today? Between what and what age? Roughly born 1983, 84 to 2000. So that the 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 oldest millennials are almost. 40. The youngest ones are in there, you know, 23, 24 years old. So uh, they, they're done. All right. So if your book is about them, then is the next generation born after them, who is now 20, are, are they yes. less dumb? It's a different dynamic for, for Gen Z, as they're called, because the millennials were hailed with this, again, millennial, epochal condition. They were the first digital natives. They grew up with the tools. They were the early adopters, the pioneers with these. The tools mean something very different to Gen Z. They're not so special in, in this regard. In fact, Gen Z, especially the ambitious ones, the ones who want to get into the top colleges and the best internships and and, and, the, and the grad schools, the jobs, they see the tools as a little bit of a surveillance kind of thing. They feel them under scrutiny uh, all the time. They know that what they say and do might be recorded for good, and so they've got to be careful with, with these tools. And, you know, you remember the Heisman Trophy winner in 2018? He was an Oklahoma running back. The day he got the award, some millennial journalist went back in his tweets and found tweets that he'd written in high school, you know, when he was 15, 16, in which he, 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 he mocked someone. That's queer. Oh, you guys are so queer. And it was, it was publicized, circulated. He was accused of homophobia. He had to go apologize. 
thought, my goodness, he was 14 or 15 years old, but this is, this is what the tools mean for this younger crowd. Now they can, they can be tools of cancel, cancellation. So I, I, I see the millennial, the Gen Zers who want to get into the elite, you know, the top 10%, they're not going to be rebellious, I think, as, as all young people should to some extent be. You know, you, you, you've, you've got to react a little bit to, to the older crowd. And uh, I'm not sure that they will. And, and that's not good for the cultivation of leadership in, in the country when there's too much coercion, conformity, and and uh, so are you more, are you more optimistic about Gen Z than about the millennials? I I'm not sure that the millennials can can be helped at at this point. I'm not sure they'll undergo the kind of transformation that took place in in the in the book I wrote, the recent book. I end with the story of Malcolm X. Malcolm X goes into prison. He is a slimy thug. He's a street hustler. He's violent. He's, he's been caught as part of a, a, a burglary gang. He's been sent to prison. And in his first month in prison, they all, call, all the prisoners call him Satan. And he likes that name. But he goes through an extraordinary conversion. And I don't, I don't like his religion. <laughs> I don't like his vision of history. But I do see his reading habit. He read, he read, he read. He, he found his vocabulary was so depleted that he went through the dictionary and copied the entire dictionary word for word. It took him longer than a year to do this. He read so much he ruined his eyes. You know, he wears glasses. He didn't wear glasses before prison and he comes out of prison very well spoken he wears a coat and tie he pledges never to use obscenities when he speaks and it was all through this again this 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 read intense reading program that is what i, I hold up as all right we're going to continue forgive me we're going to break mac barreline's book the dumbest generation grows up back in a moment the Dennis Prager Show. Small investors shamed Wall Street by running the price of certain stocks up to the detriment of the big hedge funds. Social media and trading platforms then kept investors from buying that stock. A financial war and a fight for control is being waged against Americans. With all of this volatility, it's never been more important to protect your net worth and own precious metals as part of your portfolio. Nick Rovich, owner of Amfet Coin and Bullion, has always been fair and honest with my precious metals holdings. With over 40 years experience and tens of thousands of satisfied clients, Nick will help you make informed decisions. Now, more than ever, it's a good time to own tangible assets like gold, silver, and platinum. Amfet can show you smart choices which have been proven winners time and time again. Call Nick at 800-221-7694. 800-221-7694. That's 800-221-7694. Professor Mark Barreline is a professor emeritus at Emory University, professor of English. He wrote about the uh, millennials 
and now he's writing about them having grown up. It's titled, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Again, these are people born between 83 and 2000. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, so 83 would make them 17, 30, so 37 years old today, the oldest, and uh, and 20. So between 20 and 37, I guess, would be the the way to, to read them today. And the younger ones, he, he has a little more uh, hope for. Why are they dangerous adults? That's your subtitle. Well, when a president is elected and uh, a youth population, well, not just the youth, but uh, many of the youth, uh, are traumatized by this loss as happened in November 2016. And they don't sit around and organize and say, all right, we gotta, we got to win next time. We lost this one. we gotta, we, we got to do better. We have to organize efforts. No, they went into trauma mode. Resist. And it was just all resist. Well, resist what? How are you going to no, no, just resist. This is an illiberal, anti-democratic response to one of the fundamental freedoms that we have the freedom to vote that's dangerous they marched in the streets they burned uh, uh, on college campus. they showed up at the inauguration didn't get enough, enough press and and rioted a lot of arrests were made when a 33 year old is willing to sign a petition to get a stranger fired for telling some dumb racial joke on 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 social media this is, this is not the way the civic sphere can, can operate in a healthy way. Uh, when you're pushing hate speech laws and speech codes that get ever wider so that the definition of hate becomes inclusive of what was just mainstream opinion 10 or 15 years ago, this is dangerous. And I see... The First Amendment protects certain things, but it also requires a sensibility. You gotta have a little thicker skin. You gotta realize we live in a place where people have different opinions. And you know, you gotta, you, you gotta sort of accept, give people a little space to believe what they believe. This is where the danger is in. They're bitter, they're disappointed, the 33-year-old millennial, Higher rates of depression, anxiety, narcissism are up. Suicide rates are they're the, up. They're the generation least likely to marry in American history. They, at, by age 40, m- more than one-third of millennial men will never have been married. They are childbearing at much lower rates than boomers. And we know having children is a sobering uh, uh, prospect. It requires some self-sacrifice. You might need to get on a plane at 9 o'clock in the morning, but you got to stay up all night with that with that child who has a fever. It can draw you out of yourself. It can make you a little less zealous about political passion. Uh, you, you, you don't have energy. You, you don't have time. They're not doing that. They're not having the kids. They're not building families. We didn't give them a country, uh, which they can be proud of, they're, they're taught shame about the American 
pass. And, and you know, shame, that, that's not a good feeling to have. Patriotism actually is a nice feeling. It brings gratitude. Gratitude is, is you know, reassuring. It's, it's affirming. Of the, so we didn't give them country. We didn't give them much religion. Most of them may have some kind of vague spiritual beliefs, but they don't pray. They don't go to church or temple. They don't have any organized orientation toward the transcendent. And so they're rootless. They're groundless. They're not they're pessimistic. They're not building something toward the future. They're not committing themselves to constructive things, but they want to. We all want to. And so they're drifting into this idea of, you know, a socialist paradise, uh, you know, racial justice movements, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, in some cases. These are expressions of their thirst for more purpose in their lives, and they're looking for it in the wrong places. Well, that's a dire read. I don't think it's illegitimate. Obviously, we both recognize that there are exceptions. So, who do you blame? I, I got to believe you blame the generation that preceded them. The One of the chapters in the earlier book was called The Betrayal of the Mentors. And this book opens, what have we done to them? What did we not give them when we let them dive into their youth screens at age 15? We didn't give them... Genesis and the story of Job. We didn't give them the Sermon on the Mount. We didn't give them Caesar crossing the Rubicon or Odysseus traveling through Scylla and Charybdis. Great stories of love and honor and betrayal. We didn't give them Gettysburg. What happened at Gettysburg of what Lincoln said afterwards? We didn't give them Beethoven's fifth. We, we, didn't, we didn't give them, you know, Puccini's, uh, you know, Madame Butterfly. They would have lived, at least, if we gave them that, they would know they're coming into the universe with a legacy of greatness, sublimity, yeah. beauty, transcendence. It's waiting for you. All right. The Listen, world is open. That's why your book is important. So in the last moments, let me just recommend it again. The Dumbest Generation Grows Up. From stupefied youth to dangerous adults. Professor Barreline, thank you for your work. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. The Dennis Prager Show. All of you out there know that my pillow doesn't have their box stores or any shopping channels. They've been part of this canceled culture and they want to pass on the savings directly to you. You can get the lowest price in the history of my pillow for their classic standard my pillow, regularly $69.98, now only $19.98 with the promo code. They also have queen size, regularly $79.98, now $24.98 with the promo code. Or king size, regularly $89.98, only $29.98. With your promo code. My pillow is not just pillows, they have over 150 products, everything from sleepwear to my new beds. Promo code also works on mystore.com and frankspeech.com. Go to mypillow.com or call 800 761 6302. Use the promo code Prager to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his standard MyPillow. That's mypillow.com, promo code Prager or 800 761 6302. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, and in April of 2020, one month into the lockdowns, I tweeted and then wrote a column on the lockdowns being the greatest universal mistake, international mistake in history. I was widely reviled for it. I don't know who else was saying it, at least on the media. There were some, I assume there were some. I have no doubt. I was not the only one who was. And I have been vindicated by life's experience. They were a catastrophe, the lockdowns. We have been led by fools. Public health officials are generally stupid people. They know one thing. They're idiot savants. They know what they studied in public health. Many scientists are idiot savants as well. They're brilliant in one arena and morons in others. My language is harsh because of the damage that was done to this world. You are only beginning to see the effects of the damage in human interrelationships, in the economy, in inflation, in, in people staying home, in people not having children. They thought, oh, people will be home, they'll make babies. They didn't. Nothing good. I mean, of course, in some individual lives, something good came out of it. But overwhelmingly, what, what was done to poor country, it sent hundreds of millions back into poverty. Wait till you see the supply chain deteriorate even further. It has helped unleash a crime wave in the United States, the likes of which we have not seen in, in generations. There is a, uh, what is it, a Rite Aid? In Manhattan, there is a, uh, a Rite Aid. There are many Rite Aids. A drugstore, it has nothing on its shelves, not because it sold out, but because they were. it was completely looted. Looters are are filmed, well, filmed is not the right word, are videoed, and everything except have a nice day is done to help them steal, and that is the residue, one of the residues of progressivism. That uh, store is closing down. Many Rite Aids are closing down in the New York area. Of course, New Yorkers will continue to vote Democrat. I come from New York. I fled New York. New York has a lot of wonderful people like every place on earth. But it also has a disproportionate number of fools. And they're particular fools in New York because they think they're brilliant. This is what drove me crazy in New York, how the most insular people in the country thought they were worldly, and how the uh, the, the biggest fools... Uh, thought they were brilliant. And uh, those are the people who vote Democrat. So the city is wrecked. I don't know if it even bothers them. I don't know what world the uh, the progressive lives in. When, when they see right, a Rite Aid closed down in their own area, meaning that there's no access to an immediate drugstore, does it even bother them? I don't even know. I don't know. I know the. I, I know what bothers them. Donald Trump bothers them. Conservatives bother them. Evangelicals bother them. 
but looters don't bother them. Isn't that interesting? One of the, one of the ways to know a person is what, what really disturbs you? And their list is basically evangelicals and whites in general and Trump and Republicans, but not looters. So I, I announced at the very beginning the lockdowns were a catastrophe. They turned out to be a catastrophe. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to know if they saved any lives. Well, I, I've been vindicated by reality, but now I'm vindicated by a study, a meta-study. Johns Hopkins University, the Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics, Global Health and the Study of Business Enterprise just put out a literature review and meta-analysis of the effects of lockdowns on COVID-19 mortality. What do you think, having reviewed all these studies, they concluded that had no effect whatsoever? The lockdowns were useless and harmful just as this guy talking to you now said at the beginning. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now, 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. When I think about the damage that the lockdowns have done to families, to children, to the economy, to staggering numbers of businesses closed, and it was all wrong, I've said it from the beginning, as you know. Why did I know this and the vast majority of uh, people in science, medicine, thought it was a good idea? Why is that? I'm not a scientist. Because common sense trumps everything. Everything. If you think clearly, you think clearly about everything. I don't know what a protein is composed of. That's true. But knowing science has nothing to do with common sense. Nothing whatsoever. It's not a knock on science. It's, it's, it's true about if you know, I don't know, if you know math. Doesn't mean you have common sense. If you know anything, if you know any subject, if you know... Russian, if you know French. Common sense is spectacularly good. 
I, I just read basic stuff and I realized you're ruining societies. You are, you are ruining the lives of hundreds of millions in the dubious proposition that something that is only killing, virtually only killing old people with comorbidities, you should lock down an entire civilization. Only Sweden didn't do that. Johns Hopkins Institute for Applied Economics Global Health Study of Human Business Enterprise. Meta-analysis of the effects of lockdown. Just, just published this week. This systemic review, I'm going to, obviously the whole thing would take me a week to read to you. So I'm giving you the summarized uh, conclusions. This, is, this systematic review and meta-analysis are designed to determine whether there is empirical evidence to support the belief that lockdowns reduce COVID-19 mortality. Lockdowns are defined as the imposition of at least one compulsory non-pharmaceutical intervention, NPI, that's a non-pharmaceutical intervention, or any government mandate that directly restrict people's possibilities such as policies that limit internet internal movements, sorry, close schools and businesses, and ban international travel. This study employed a systematic search and screening procedure, listen to this, in which 18,590 studies are identified that could potentially address the belief posed. Namely, that lockdowns save lives. After three levels of screening, 34 studies ultimately qualified. Of those 34 eligible studies, 24 qualified for inclusion in the meta-analysis. They were separated into three groups, lockdown stringency index studies, shelter-in-place orders, and specific NPI, non-pharmaceutical intervention studies. An analysis of each of these three groups supports the conclusion that lockdowns have had little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. More specifically, stringency index studies find that lockdowns in Europe and the United States only reduced COVID-19 mortality by, again, are you ready? 0.2% on average. Two-tenths of 1%. To save two-tenths of 1%, we destroyed immeasurable number of people's lives, kids' lives, schooling, economy, your own business. CPOs, stay-in-place orders, were also ineffective, only reducing COVID mortality by 2.9% on average. Specific non-pharmaceutical intervention studies also find no broad-based evidence of noticeable effects on COVID-19 mortality. While this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, They have imposed enormous economic and social costs. 
where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. And yet, we we got an announcement yesterday that there will. This is not a lockdown, obviously. It's another matter, but it's equally stupid. And all you need is common sense. People do not know how to think. You think masks on airplanes are are, are useful? Then why do you allow anybody to take it off to eat? Why don't the pilots wear it in the cockpit? It's the cleanest air you can breathe is actually in an airplane. Do we have any example from the very beginning? Remember, there were no masks on planes. Were people dying? And yet, I I just read yesterday that they're thinking that for years, indefinitely, they're going to have people wear masks on airplanes. There must be massive resistance to the fools who ruin people's lives. The idiots in in the airline industry who announced, oh, people got used to not taking liquids on board, as if that's the same thing. I can't take a bottle of shampoo is equal to I have to breathe my own air for five hours. God, do we live with morons? And you know why? They all went to college. You learn to be stupid. I don't mean this as hyperbolic. You learn not to think. You learn to parrot at, in, from elementary school to college. What do the experts say? What do the experts say is absolutely equivalent to the medieval what does the Lord say? Well, there's now a meta-analysis of 18,000 studies published by Johns Hopkins University. And it turns out that lockdowns save no lives. And, of course, they did spectacular damage. The left is happy to do damage because they want to wreck the society because then out of the, out of the wreckage they can create the ideal society that they dream about, as in, for example, John Lennon's Imagine. The root of the, there are many roots to the problem, but a big root is that you are taught in medical school and you are taught in graduate school, you don't, it's, you, you are taught just go to experts and therefore your need to think something through is zero so if you ask gee if we're vaccinated why do we have to wear masks which is a common sense question the answer you get is not common sense the answer you get is, that's what the experts told me. College, high school, graduate school produce unquestioning human beings. Automatons, non-thinking fools. And they then make laws to control the, the non-fool, as well as the fool, who goes along with it. That is why the better educated are far more likely to support lockdowns because they have been taught not to question experts. 
This is really important what I'm telling you, really important. College produces non-questioning, non-thinking people. If the kid in the class questions, wait a minute, America is systemically racist? Then why did three million blacks move here in the last few decades from Africa and the Caribbean? Are they idiots? If you were to ask that question from Harvard to some local community college, you would be regarded as an inadmissible presence, poisoning, toxic to the college mentality of unquestioning obedience to experts. This is why it is so scary to see people wearing masks outdoors. They do not think. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.